I feel led of the Lord on Wednesday nights for the next number of Wednesdays to take us into a study on what I'm calling inspired speech. These are the vocal gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And uh, I want to take us through 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So I want us to understand that as a people of God, we speak with the utterance of the Holy Spirit. We have the weight of the Holy Spirit attached to our words and it's attached to our expressions. And we as people of the Spirit want to learn how to speak to other people into their soul, into their heart by the unction of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And I want to instruct you in that, teach you in that, so that we're operating in it. How many of you know there's so many voices out there today? So everybody's trying to persuade you. Everybody's trying to coax you. Everybody's trying to speak louder to the next, than the next person and the next person. But the voice that can get through to the heart and to the soul is the Spirit of God. And so we need to learn how to operate and speak with an inspired speech. I don't want to join the clamor of all the voc vocals and words that are out in the atmosphere. I want to speak inspired. I want to speak as the Holy Spirit leads me. And as we learn this, sometimes it will be profound. Sometimes it will be in the language of the tongues of angels. Uh, some it may be in tongues you don't understand or know. Some it may be very simple in its expression but it carries the weight of the Holy Spirit on it. It's, it's not so much how eloquent or how many phrases or what's being said, but the weight of glory attached to it. That, there's no age limit to that. A five-year-old can speak inspired. An 80-year-old can speak inspired, right? It doesn't mean it has to be loud or soft, you just speak under the unction of God. And sometimes that unction for an inspire, inspired word may be, are you okay today? Because I just feel that God wants you to know he hears you. And by saying that under the move of God's spirit, it penetrates their heart. It can break the hardest shell of a person and the woundedness. So we want to be a people who walk and speak with inspired speech. Amen. That's more than just a Bible verse memorized. Nothing wrong with a Bible verse memorized because it's got power in itself. But how about at the right time, under the right authority, speaking it and it breaks through people's souls? So I want to spend some time and we're going to have some discussion back and forth on what inspired speech is. And what we believe as a full gospel, we believe the whole Bible, we believe that the Bible says once you've been saved... That God's desire is to fill you with his Holy Spirit. To be completely full of God's Spirit and anointing. That is available to everyone that is saved. Every blood-bought believer. Anybody that believes in Jesus Christ, whose sins are forgiven so that the Spirit of holiness can dwell in them, now it is God's desire, Jesus' desire, to totally immerse you into the Spirit. And to fill you. See, the Holy Spirit gets you saved and immerses you, baptized. The word baptized means to take one and put it into another. And the Holy Spirit wants to immerse you into the body of Christ, salvation. And Jesus, once you're in him, wants to immerse you into the fullness of what the Holy Spirit has for you. All right? Let me give you some examples in Scripture. John 7, verses 37 to 38. Jesus says this, If anyone thirsts, 
let him come to me and drink. What do you think that represents? The word. Do you remember, right? Uh, if any man thirsts, he's saying this to the public, to the crowd. It's the feast. Okay. What's that a reference to then? Holy Spirit. Salvation. Right? If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. That's, that's referencing salvation. Come, come to Jesus for salvation. Come to be sustained by the Holy Spirit. Come and drink. Right? Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of what? Living water. So there is an intake right? And there's an outflow. So there's an immersion into Jesus. If you're thirsty, come to me. I'll give you a drink. And I want to not just give you a cup or a glass. I'm going to give you a river. A living river. What does living mean? A lot. (laughs) Does anybody have a reference point to what living water is? Anybody? Anybody? Sustaining? Moving water. It means it's a river. Living water in ancient times meant that it was a river that was flowing. And a flowing river is clean. It's pure. A lake water, a pond, stagnates. So what God wants to do is give you living water. It is flowing continually. It never gets old. It doesn't get stagnant. You know, I'm bored with the Holy Spirit tonight. Really? He's life. He's living. He's flowing. Okay? And so, living water. Jesus says, if you'll come to me, I'll give you drink. That's salvation. That's the intake. He expects, therefore, once that you've tasted of that water, it's living water, it's eternal. What's he expect to come out of you? Rivers. If you will become an open channel to what he's invested in you, it can be flowing continually. And that's what I'm talking about. Our speech flowing under the anointing of God. Again, don't worry. You don't have to be like people on TV or these famous these, you know, uh, prophets and these people and uh, thus this and that. You can walk under the unction of the Holy Spirit speaking living words to people regularly all day long if you're just attentive and let it flow out of you. It doesn't have to be profound. It just has to be led of God. Let me give you another example of this. John 4, 14. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again. What is he talking about there? Somebody say, what? Salvation. Good. Okay. Whoever drinks of this water that I give will never be thirsty again. He's talking about salvation, getting saved. Then he goes, the, the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What's he talking about there? The output, the outpouring. Getting saved, that's the input. Walking in the Spirit, that's the output. 
Amen? See, a lot of people get saved and they go, oh, good, okay, I'm saved now and uh, I'm going to go to heaven and from here till I die, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll just, you know, I'm good, locked in. No, God expects so much more. He just turned on another faucet in a dry and weary land. He's turned on another fountain, another well in a desert and dry place for people to come and drink from. And this well will never run dry. Do you see in this language what Jesus is saying? If you'll come to me for salvation, that's what I'm giving you. Now what I put in you has an output and should flow out of us. So I want to get all of you soaking wet and spewing living water everywhere. Right? When you walk, you should hear whoosh, 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 whoosh. Again, look at the reference, a spring of water. Have you ever been a place where, where spring water comes out and it's always pure and cold and refreshing, right? That's what he wants to come out of us. So what I'm talking about is once you are saved and God has put his spirit in you, he expects an outflow of that water of that spirit. In fact, he says this in Ephesians. Don't get drunk with wine that leads to debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. All right? Now he's using a common concept of drinking. And if you drink of one thing, it will cause something to happen to you. You drink too much alcohol, and it leads to what? Debauchery. It leads to stupidity. It looks like you think you're the life of the party. You're actually an idiot. <laughs> but you had fun, at least you think, and if you can remember that much, you know. And he's saying, don't do that. Why is he using that analogy? Because what happens to alcohol, have you ever heard, you ever seen this, the sign on, on a bar? Food and what? spirits you drink too much you open yourself up to other spirits right he's saying don't get drunk on alcohol which leads to debauchery and makes you do things in foolishness he says though what be filled drink in and be filled with the holy spirit the word filled here in the Greek is a constant activity, a constant verb. It means be, being filled. There's that river, that living river. Keep being filled, keep being filled. Okay? I, I, I remember the story where Peter uh, is uh, in jail. He's released. They pray. And these are the same people who were filled on the day of Pentecost. Right? Filled, speaking in tongues, running out into the city, proclaiming God, no longer afraid. A number of weeks or months later, they're arrested. They have another prayer meeting, and it says the house shook and the doorpost shook, and they were all filled with the Spirit. I thought they got filled once before. It's a filling. It's a constant filling. It's an overflowing. It's continually being filled. Continually be filled with the Spirit. All right? 
This is an opportunity Wednesday nights for you to come in here, right, and be filled with the Spirit. Abandon yourselves. We bought this building so you could abandon yourselves. Come into this house and let yourself go. Let the let burdens break off. Be filled with the Spirit of God, right? You can do that in your car. You can do that in your house. You can do that in your bed. You can do it anywhere, but be being filled. There seems to be a responsibility on our part. Once he's given us his spirit, he's sealed us in Christ, he wants you to let loose the flow of that river, which leads to the last principle here that Jesus talks about. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, what he means by heart is the seed of the soul, who you are, out of that abundance of the heart, what will happen? Your mouth speaks. Be filled. If you are filled and your heart is filled, there should be a reciprocal action that takes place. What should take place? Words. Something should come out of your mouth. It's the same word that is used when the Pharisees were outraged at Stephen. It says that they were so outraged, they were filled with anger. That means that the abundance of their heart was filled with such anger, it says that they began cursing and speaking against him, and it even says they started biting him. That's crazy. They were just... Have you ever been by a driver and you've accidentally moved into their lane? Try it tonight. (laughs) And uh, it's just an experiment to see the abundance and fullness of their heart will cause them to speak. You may not like what they have to say. There's all sorts of hand motions that go with it. Is this principle hold true out of the abundance of the heart? Your mouth speaks, right? Have you ever been shocked? right? Have you ever seen something funny, right? I sat, uh, I went to visit my mom in Florida. I was on a flight a couple weeks ago, and there was a young lady uh, that had her little tablet and her headphones on, and she was a laugher. So she, where does she get to sit? Next to me. Give the hello nod. Hi, how are you? And next thing I hear is, <laughs> I'm thinking, am I going to have to put up with this the whole airplane? Because out of the abundance of her heart, she saw something funny. It filled her heart, and, and automatically something came out, right? So why do we hold ourselves mute concerning the things of God and the Holy Spirit? Is our heart not full enough? So are we no longer excitable about God? Are we no longer gushing with love, right? Come on, you people who get a grandkid, that's all we hear and see are your pictures of grandkids and things, right? Someone gets engaged, all we can see and hear is is this. Out of the abundance of the heart. It is natural, it is the norm. So if Jesus enters into a person, something should come out, 
reciprocating what has been here. Hit your thumb with a hammer. What will happen? How about when God hits you with his hammer? Something should happen. Eric Eide in the back, he was telling me tonight, he came up, he said that his parents are holding a Bible study and a meeting in their, in their uh, restaurant, in their store up Upper Michigan, and uh, there's a rough crowd that rents from them some rooms and this and that, and one guy knew the scripture, knew things of the Lord, and he made the commitment and got saved. Once he got saved, he has now called for eight other of his friends to come and get baptized with him. Awesome testimony, right? Why did it happen? Exactly. Something changed in his life, and he spoke. What happens to us? I've been on that bench too long. I've been sitting way too long. Are we no longer thrilled with God? Are we no longer stirred by the Holy Spirit? Right? And, and it shouldn't depend on the band, a couple fast songs, a couple slow songs, get you primed up. It shouldn't depend on that. It shouldn't depend on the quality of the music. It should just depend on looking to Him. So there should be an outflow of what God is stirring in us. Amen? And so He's putting that in. And that's these scriptures I've told you. If, if, if you're thirsty, I'll give you a drink. And once that's in there, a well, a river, spirit flow. And that's what we're talking about. If the spirit flows... It should flow out of our mouths with inspired speech. Because think about it. This struck me. You may have heard me speak on it. <laughs> but this struck me a couple years ago. This verse, out of your innermost being, right? Or your soul, your heart, where the Spirit's flooding. We know the Spirit comes to dwell in us, but He floods out into our intellect, emotion, and will, into our soul, so that He'll speak out. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. What does that mean? Projectile vomiting? <laughs> no, seriously. What does it mean? Give this lady the grand prize tonight. <laughs> Speaking life to others. Speaking. The natural response, what Jesus is saying is, if something's going to flow out of you, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The spigot for things flowing out of you is your mouth, is your actions, is what you do with your life. And so I'm speaking to us saying that there should be rivers of inspired speech coming out of us in all dimensions and in all the colorings of what that means. Okay? All right, let's stop and pray. Pray this with me. Dear Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. Your Spirit dwells in me. Therefore, I have a river. And I'm going to release it through my mouth. I expect to speak rivers of living water to a dead world. Amen. Amen. Okay? In the back, yes.
All right, so we're clogged up. <laughs> Let's take a few minutes, um, and I'd like to hear from some of you, maybe some things in your past, something, whatever. What has clogged that flow of living water flowing out of you? Okay, fear of persecution, what they call the fear of man. What will, what will someone think? What will someone do? Okay, how about another one? Rejection. Basically, that's the fear. Well, one was fear of persecution. The other is a fear of rejection, right? We can encapsulate this with fear. That's, and, and everybody would say, I'm not afraid. You know, I'm strong. But what, what did, I've shared this with you the last couple of weeks. What did the disciples, the apostles pray when Peter was released from prison? They asked for boldness because it's easy to get fear. All right? What, what's another reason? Not knowing what to say. Okay. Too much garbage taking in, right? Distractions. We're not considering the Holy Spirit. We're not thinking. Lack of repentance. Okay, that's a, a, a field we need to spend a little bit of time of. A lack of repentance. Uh, because what happens if, if we're not forgiving others as we have been forgiven? There's a clog between us and the Holy Spirit, isn't there? There's a disconnect, okay? Not that he's forsaken you or kicked you out. It's just that we're not having communication here. Um, how about if there's a lack of repentance, how about bitterness? Hurt, offense, strife, anxiety. Come on, sister, worry, bring it on. There's a river. Flow, flow. No, it's true, isn't it? And, and you had one. Low. <laughs> Someone's been talking to you. And talking to all of us. Who, who tells us those things? The accuser. He knows one thing. He knows this, Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the what? Power of God unto salvation. He knows that if you will proclaim the word of God, if you will let the water of the Spirit out of your mouth, if you will speak, you'll be speaking healing, you'll be speaking deliverance, you'll be speaking all the things of God. If he can block up that spring of water, so that you won't speak, he's happy. I saw a hand over here. No, I didn't. Yeah, I'm being ungrateful, not thankful. Doubt? Yeah, yeah. Has anybody been there, right? Where's God? God doesn't love me. I failed him too much, right? Right. disobedience that's plain yeah yeah i'm not feeling it lord 
right, and we all do it. Now, put all of those together, and you've got a real mess in your, a clog in your drain, <laughs> don't you? You really have a, a mess there. What's the Drano? What's the stuff that can get that out? Word of God. Very good. It can break down all that. Prayer. Fellowship. You know, that intimacy with God. Repentance. Yeah. So, so we need this. Now, the Bible tells us that the Spirit is love, the love of God is being poured into our hearts. Romans 5, the, the love of God is being poured into our hearts. Uh, the King James shed abroad. What it means is it's just being poured into us. But we're not hearing that. We're not seeing that. We're so hearing the accuser. We're so in and of ourselves. Uh, but he's pouring his love in. And he also says that the Holy Spirit is crying, crying out, speaking, Abba, Father, for us. You got a high priest who is interceding for us day and night. We have an intercessor within us, the Holy Spirit, who is constantly crying out, Father, Father, Daddy, Father, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. There's a lot going on inside of us, isn't there? Now, what we need to learn is the confidence that we can speak with inspired speech and that this is a true thing that God has given us and that those rivers are supposed to flow. We need to be convinced of that, right? I've, I've had times where I'm feeling real distance and, 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 and not feeling a lot of faith and yet I've said something to somebody that was inspired and, and it was God right on time. So despite how I felt and despite that God still uses his people and we've got to reclaim our identity as children of God and not think that God is like a man who sets us aside and and holds grudges he's good he is good he's a shepherd he's working with us so we've got to get past some of these things and so yeah we've got to stay in the word we've got to pray and be in fellowship with God to clean this out. Let's, let's talk about this inspired speech. It runs the gamut from, I'm just going to use some terminology. It runs the gamut from really spooky spiritual. You know what I mean by that? It's just like so off the charts. It's so Holy Ghost. It's like so otherworldly, right? Maybe some of you have experienced that. Maybe someone has seen that. Maybe, you know, it's just Holy Spirit. Whoa! To the very plain. Feeling an unction of God to, to say, Jesus loves you. And under the unction of God, it melts the person you talk to. So it can run the gamut, can it? But see, what we all think is we have to be the prophet we all think that I need to speak in tongues, I need to say, thus saith the Lord, I need to say something so absolutely profound, or it's just me. And it doesn't have to be that way. What I want you to learn is the confidence to trust that what you're hearing in that small voice in you is the Holy Spirit. How many of you think you've heard the devil condemn you? 
How many of you have heard, let me put it this way, how many of you here, figuratively, you've heard the devil's voice condemn you? What I say devil's voice, it sounds just like yours. Right? But it's condemning. Okay? Then why can't we hear the Holy Spirit? We do. We just don't listen or give him the credit for it. Right? Why are we so quick to believe all the lousy, doubtful, condemning words as if those are true, but we won't believe that God's given us a word to say to somebody and that he loves us? That must just be me. (laughs) Chris. Well, let, well, then let me, there, there should be a good measure of respect that each of us has for who we are. Who's saved here? Has anybody been saved by Jesus Christ? You can confess you've been saved. You have now become a vessel of honor and the spirit of holiness has been put in you. Okay? It doesn't matter what your past is. We were all dead in sin. Okay, but now we've been brought to life. We are now vessels of honor, and we need to, as Chris was saying, we need to respect who we are. And so, a vessel of honor carries, you know, beautiful wine and beautiful uh, fresh water of God in us. So we need to protect it, right? We need to believe and understand our identity in Christ. Now let's talk about inspired speech, this is available to every one of us because every one of us is a container of God's Spirit. Therefore, God expects a flow to come out of us. And so this inspired speech, it doesn't have to sound poetic and so forth. Um, We're going to look at it, and basically in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul goes into a lengthy chapter on discerning between three types of inspired speech. One is called the word of prophecy. And that word of prophecy is speaking in the language that you have been brought up in, in the culture that you're at, and you speak something that is edifying, exhorting, and comforting. Okay? Give me some examples of something that comforts somebody. They're loved, a hug, family, but I'm saying speech. Say something that is comforting. You're not alone. It's going to be okay. Uh, That can get you in trouble. Can I tell my story? I have to tell my story. Listen, if I'm up here teaching you, you have to understand God is using a fool, and that's me. 
Uh, it was in, in the summertime, and it was about 95 degrees, and a friend of mine were, and I were going up north, and we went into this place. They didn't have air conditioning in it. When we, we went to order lunch, we're sitting down having lunch, and the poor waitress comes by, and she's sweating and so forth, and she's taking our order, and I look at her and I say, man, you look hot. <laughs> My friend choked on what he was eating. She looked at me like, you old man, what the? I said, you sweat, I didn't mean anything by it. So you got to be careful. <laughs> anyway, don't say you look hot to anybody. <laughs> How you say it. In fact, that's what he said. He said, the next time on the way back home, he said, watch, I'll say it. And he did, he said it, but it was the way he said it. And she said, yeah, it's really warm in here. All right, anyways, more words of comfort. You're not alone, good. How about words that have comforted you? Yeah, I love you. Now, these words of comfort, how many of you when, you, when you heard them, and I've said them, how many of you felt, yeah, I like that, yeah. They weren't very profound, were they? Nothing really profound in what anybody said in their words of comfort, right? If you'll read some of the words of prophecy that were spoken to Paul, to Peter, to the Old Testament saints, don't quit, don't be afraid, I'm with you, I'll always be with you. Not really profound, but when it comes from God, fear not, right? I'm trying to help you receive this. You can prophesy to people. You can give words of comfort when the Holy Spirit leads you in compassion. It's that simple, out of the abundance of the heart. It says that when Jesus looked on the multitudes, he groaned inwardly with compassion. It's the Holy Spirit. When you've looked at situations, when you look at people and you feel something, can it be more than your own feelings? Can it be the Holy Spirit moving you with compassion? Could you not prophesy to that situation and say, don't worry, it's going to be all right? Inspired words. We can prophesy. All right, what about edification? What does it mean to edify? To build up. Give me some words that build up. That maybe in your lifetime you heard them. Anybody? You're doing a great job. boy. I'm proud of you. You've come so far. How many of you didn't get that? when you were young, and boy, you could have used it. Let me see some hands, some of you. Yeah. How many of you, how many of you came from homes where you were built up? People did speak into your soul. Any hands? Okay. All right. So, again, those aren't super profound words, are they? See, so prophecy doesn't have to be super-duper, hyper, you know, spiritual. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. What's an exhortation? To exhort someone. To encourage. To sp someone said something? 
Yeah, to encourage, to prod, to come on, you can do this, right? Building up is good job, well done, but exhortation is go for it. I don't know if I should do this. You can do it. Go for it. You're smart. You're intelligent. You have this, right? Don't give up. You're going to get there. Stand strong, okay? This is the heart behind the prophetic. Do do people need to hear these words? And do they need to hear them from God? Can you speak for God to other people? Yes. Okay. That's prophecy. Now, the other word is prophetic tongues, and that is for when we're together as a group, there is the time when you speak out in another language. It's called glossolalia. And this is a dialect or a language. The word tongues simply is an old English term that means languages. This is a language that is, um, you do not know. You do not understand. All right? And it's, it's not tongues. If we're here and half the congregation is, let's say, Hispanic and someone speaks Spanish, that's a known tongue among the people. This Paul calls unknown tongues. It's not known in the dialect of the people there, and it could be the tongue of angels. It could be the tongue of some tribe from another part of the world. We don't know. I've had experiences where someone's spoken out in tongues and, and uh, the person uh, served in Korea and he didn't know what was going on. After the service, he came to me and he said, why did that lady speak in Korean? And I said, oh, was she? Well, doesn't that happen? Why was, and then why did that, that person who said it sp- said what she said? And I said, well, this person who said and gave the interpretation didn't know Korean and the person who spoke it didn't know Korean. And I explained it all to him and he went, Ooh, (laughs) out of the abundance of the heart, he was like, that's awesome. So it's got a supernatural bent to it, and and the point is it is a prophetic tongues. You'll hear it here in church. Someone will speak out in glossolalia. Another is xenophalia, which is known languages. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. They went out and spoke all the languages of the nations under the utterance of the Holy Spirit. That is in the gathering, the assembly, when people are together, a gift of tongues above all the others spoken out so someone will interpret. When it is interpreted, it becomes equal to prophecy. But the reason it's done with tongues and interpretation is to impact unsaved people. That it's miraculous. Okay? We're going to get into all this. Then there's a third inspired speech, which is Paul talks about as a prayer language. The other two are gifts of the Holy Spirit that Paul says, you got to get this. you got to get them. Ask for them. I want all of you to prophesy. I want all of you to speak in tongues, but even more, I want you to prophesy. So what he's saying is it's a gift of God, but it's available to everyone. The other one is praying in tongues. He says, that's a prayer language. That's available to all of you. That's giving the Holy Spirit who dwells in you the opportunity to speak out of you. Just giving voice to him. We're going to talk about that too. I want to make sure that no one's confused about this. I also want to make sure that it's not weird and flaky, that, you know, all this kind of stuff. It is biblical. It is for a purpose. And it achieves great things in the Spirit. 